All right. <clears throat> We're only a few minutes behind schedule, but don't worry, I can speed up time. Okay. So here's what we're going to do now. Um, it's been the practice the past few weeks. I, it's a, this is kind of group learning. Like we're all learning together, and that's what's something I love about this class. And so I want to ask, give you 10 seconds to appoint a representative um, from each of the three groups, and then that representative is going to come up and share with the whole room what is it, and kind of in brief, a couple of minutes, what are some of the major threads that God is teaching us from those portions of the scripture? And, and how did it really hit the folks in your group? What were some of the key things that stuck out? So take 10 seconds, appoint a representative, and I've got a microphone right here for them. Okay. <clears throat> Which group already has a representative? All right, Samuel, come up, Matt. And Richard, okay, fantastic. Y'all just sit right here. Richard, you go first because y'all are in group one, right? Yes. Okay. There you go. So this group had the Gospels. Yes. Okay. And everyone was tasked over the week to read Luke 10, which was the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Richard, what, what, is, the, what, is, what is God teaching us in the portion of the Gospels um, and how did it land on y'all's group? First of all, my name is Richard Cox. Uh, good to see y'all. I haven't met y'all. Um, so yes, we read the Gospels, and, and if y'all read uh, the, the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, um, I, I think actually backing it up, we'll begin with the Matthew 25 passage that, that we were struck, uh, that what we find is it all begins with, with Jesus Christ enthroned on high uh, and exalted. And that is a very comforting reality as we read um, these actionable items that are included in the Gospels, uh, that it is not uh, something that is left, success is not left up to you, it's not left up to me. Our, our, our victor is seated on the throne on high. Uh, and so that is um, a, a great um, reality uh, that we encounter there. And the action that he takes is just. Um, for example, in Matthew 25, it's separating the, sheep's, uh, the sheep and the goats. And uh, that is a just action, separating those two. Um, and uh, as, as we look at this, um, when it comes to the Good Samaritan, um, those, uh, the Levite who passes by, um, and uh, the other guy, I guess it's a priest who, who passes by, um, they've got legitimate reasons to pass by not caring for the need that is in front of them. They're probably off to do good things. Uh, and yet it's the Samaritan who recognizes uh, the desperate need that's in front of them. The passage of Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats lists a number of different needs that is way beyond just material needs. Uh, kind of those different layers of uh, different types of poverty that we talked about with the very first week. Uh, and so it's recognizing the need that is right in front of us and meeting the need that is right in front of us. Um, and, um, and we are equipped uh, to do what it takes. Now, we're the smallest group. We didn't get through all of our passages. There's no way the big groups did as well. Uh, so those two that I just talked about are the only two that we as a group talked about. The rest is me freestyling and winging um, uh, what we cover. Um, so bear with me, guys. Sorry. Um, that, um, that, that seek after his kingdom. Of course, that the passage in, uh, in Luke, uh, 12, 13 through, uh, through 34 is, is where your, um, where your heart is or where your treasure is. That's where your heart is as well, or, or vice versa on that. Um, it is a call to not be worried, not be afraid. And I take it back to Christ enthroned on high. So that's our super simple summary of it. Any questions? 
Any disagreements? Hearing none. Thank you, Richard. Let's do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay, group two, the book of Acts, the church in action, the church on mission. What is God teaching us in the book of Acts about these things? Okay, so Acts 2, um, kind of a summary that we talked about. And sorry, guys, I'm probably going to butcher everything y'all said, but I'm going to try to give the best summary. Microphone um, in, the, in the mouth. Eat okay. Acts 2, so basically... You see in Acts 2, the, the church, are they're constantly together. They're fellowshipping together. Um, Phyllis was saying that there was a Sunday school class that was named Acts 242 um, based on just doing life together, breaking bread. Um, but they were also meeting each other's needs. There was no need that was going um, left undone. And it was everyone working together. In, in chapter 4, we see more of this, but we see it taking a step further. People sell their own land so that they can give the money back to the church to keep meeting needs. Um, so they're taking it to a what would be a radical step in, in our days. And Barnabas sold a piece of, of property and gave it back to the church. And we see Barnabas uh, come in later. In Acts 6 is where we see the establishment of the diaconate. Um, and basically the apostles were, they were, there was not a, they were not able to meet all the needs. So they said, so we needed to appoint people that are responsible for this. And, you know, basically they appoint people from the different community, from the community they're in, in their Gentiles. Um, and then they, they meet the needs. And so a great point was brought up that like, there's a, a level of organization that is needed and, and with that organization, people are able to flourish. People's needs are being met. People's gifts are being used. Um, so if you have a gift of teaching, if you have a gift of the apostleship, which I don't get into spiritual gifts, but uh, or the gifts, but basically people are, you know, if you're a servant at heart, that's something that you can do and, and fit in in the church. And then in Acts 11, we see um, that this church that they're talking about in Acts, they're going out to a different church to meet the needs that were needed because there was a famine. And so they were, they were basically, they were taking money that they gathered, Paul and Barnabas, and taking it to Jerusalem to help meet the needs of, of the famine. So it was an external mission of the diaconate. Um, so that's our summary. Awesome. <clears throat> any, 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 yeah, any other thoughts from the book of Acts? Maybe you're just inclined? All right. I'm going to provide some summaries here in a little bit, but um, yeah, Matt. You just want to provide them now? (laughs) No, you go, Paul. Richard, you're right. uh, Our group was too large to discuss all of these, so we broke up into three subgroups. So we're going to have a a separate report. So the verse that everyone read, or the the, the portion of 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15, just a summary of that section from our group. Uh, The theme of that was excel in the grace of giving. That's kind of what we came up with to, to pull away from that, that portion. And then um, my subgroup was 2 Corinthians 8 to 9, and that's chapters 8 and 9. So it's a pretty long passage and a lot to get out of that. But we pulled out some, some key words and key themes. And the, one of those is the grace of giving, which is carried on from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. Um, an attitude uh, of overflowing joy cheerfulness in our giving, cheerful giving. We've heard God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, that's in the theme there. Uh, not out of compulsion. This giving is not out of compulsion. It's out of, from our heart, and it's, it's a desire to give back because we know it belongs to God. 
uh, public accountability. There's a portion in there that speaks to that. Um, uh, not only from, from uh, at that time, safely traveling back and forth on the roads and, and having that safety in numbers, but just public accountability of what's going on, what, how the funds and, and how the things are being used, the, the resources. Um, I think that is it from that, from that uh, text. So you want to take this one? Thank you. Hello. <laughs> All right, we focused on Galatians 2.10, which is an encouragement to remember the poor as the church. We saw the, a link between Galatians and the Luke passage with the Good Samaritan. What does it look like to remember the poor? It's like showing mercy, great mercy to those in need. In Luke 10.31, we see the priest passing by the injured fellow on the road. And it's a great example of that priest's unwillingness to get involved in the situation. Far too often, we are busy and booked solid. And perhaps... That's what we tell ourselves. But in God's eyes, we'd be unwilling to show mercy to that individual. So what does it look like to really show mercy? Not just relief of the symptoms of the individual on the side of the road, but long-term development for that individual. Questions, comments? All right, thank you. So our subgroup's verse is one, one verse as well. Ephesians 4.28, let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his, own, with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. So we talked about it, and our thought was that it, it's a reflection of a change of heart, that uh, instead of a self-focus a pride, full focus of, of stealing. It is an other's focus. There's been a change of heart, uh, a change in the walk of a believer. Instead of stealing, there's labor, and it's performing with our hands what is good, or as Ashley's translation, what is honest work, uh, with the particular motive of sharing with someone who's in need, a complete opposite of uh, Steve and I were trying to figure out where we remembered hearing this particular verse. We think it's the Amy Sherman pamphlet about poverty, but contrast that Ephesians 4.28 passage with a description of Sodom and one of its sins. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy, a complete opposite of someone who is working in order to share with those in need. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you guys. Okay. All of that was really, really good. And I hope that these kinds of things like reading the passages alone and then coming together as a group and talking about them is encouraging. I hope it is because it's what the church has been doing for 2000 plus years and what we'll continue to do long after we're all dead. 
um, is just gather around God's word and be blessed. So I hope it's an encouragement. I hope you're growing and, and learning, and, and all of you have varying perspectives. You've all been placed with particular family members and particular jobs and particular places, and they all bring an angle, a way of seeing things that I frankly don't have. And so I'm blessed when you share how the Lord is landing his word on your heart because it helps me to see it from another way. So I hope you all are taking that seriously. um, Kudos to group, what group are y'all, three? Group three, subgrouping is probably a good idea. That way you can maybe get at the passages. I hadn't thought of it. So for you other smaller groups, subgrouping is the way to go. We love a committee. So let's more committees, more committees. Um, okay, so here, I'm going to just do a brief summary, and then I, I was supposed to do a hard stop at 6.50. We're going to do a hard stop at 6.52, okay? I'm going to steal two minutes of your group time, and I'm aware. You'll get it back when Robbie's teaching. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so just, just a brief kind of to pull it, to pull it all together. Um, yeah, as, as you read it, it throughout the Gospels, what Jesus is is trying to do through his teaching, right? He's, he's, he's speaking to them of the kingdom of God, and then he's showing the mercy of the kingdom of God. He's inviting his people, including the Pharisees. He's inviting all of those. He came to his own. He's inviting the, the people to think about where are they placing their ultimate value, right? All, throughout these stories, there's a, it's a value placement that Jesus is addressing, and he's inviting them to actually place their, their greatest value on Jesus and not on the things he gives to his people. Whether it be gifts of material blessing or the gifts of Christian fellowship or the gifts of the law, we can all put our greatest value on these things. And he's inviting them to, to think bigger because what that does is it allows us to release our grip on those things. Because you start to grip tightly to the things you value most. And when they're affected or when, then they're, when they feel like they're being taken, your grip tightens. And so when your greatest value is on Jesus and he will never leave you or forsake you, you can lose your, lessen your grip on these other things. And he's doing that throughout, all the way through the Gospels. And then the, the, the book of Acts, right, church on mission. This is the church doing, doing the things as they've been taught from Jesus in, in the earliest stages And the thing that I think connects all of these passages together is the church is starting to feel a deep connection to one another regardless of place and regardless of status, right? They're they're looking at brothers and sisters not in terms of their status but in terms of belonging to Jesus. So those who are in need don't look differently than those who aren't in need. They just look like my brother, and so I'm, if my brother doesn't have a car and I've got a car that has a lot of value, then it's obvious to me that I want to go and sell that car and then buy a lesser car so that he can have money to buy a car. Two cars better than one car, even if it's not a big one. So, that, I mean, it's the idea of, of, of equalizing. I see my brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters and not in terms of their status. And this goes beyond ge- geography. Y'all pointed it out. The church was giving to folks in a different geography, Antioch, Gentile region, giving to the church in Judea because there was going to be a famine over there that wasn't even going to affect us. 
but we were delighted to give because, again, they're our family. And then in the, in the church epistles, I mean, you could read 2 Corinthians 8 through 9 and just be blown away every single time. But I think the thing that connects it all together, Paul in Galatians 2.10, and I think he pulls this thread in, in 2 Corinthians, is eagerness. How eager are we to participate in the grace of generosity? With our whole selves. We can think generosity in terms of dollar signs. Don't. Generosity is my whole being. How eager am I to participate in the grace of generosity? Like Paul said, it's the very thing I was eager to do. Is that us? Do, can we say that honestly? Or is it something that we say, it's the thing that I know I'm supposed to do? And so I'm going to figure out with the Lord how much. I'm going to ask the Lord how much. How much, Lord, would get, will get me to the line? And that's the wrong question. If we're asking that question, we need to start over. The question is not how much, Lord. It's more, I don't know. I don't know what the better way to ask it other than give me a heart of eagerness uh, for, for these things. So pull that all together. Look at that. Hard stop at 655. I was close. Um, okay. I love God's word. I'm hoping that this is a blessing to you all. We're going to do one more. You've got homework again for next week for some same groups, new passages, um, Paul's pastoral epistles, Hebrews and James, and then 1 John and Revelation. So I hope the, that that's an encouragement. So read those on, on your time this week, and then we'll come back together next week. Now, full transition. <clears throat> okay, second set of groups. And these are your practical work groups. I don't know if that's the technical name, but I just came up with it right then. These are your practical work groups. This is the thing you're doing the whole entire class as a group. You've signed up for them. So I want you to meet now. This is your first meeting in person. And you'll notice, I think you've received a, a kind of a class schedule. You'll notice that from here on, team breakouts happen every week. So every week, you're going to have 25 to 30 minutes of this class time to meet in your group and to talk and to plan and to share what you're finding out as you're doing your, your research and homework throughout the week. Okay? Kurt? Okay, the Urban Hope group is going to that far corner over there. <clears throat> team one, the Hogwoods here are leading team one, and they're going to meet in this corner, Okay. Very good. Team four, meeting in the back right corner. Team four is external ministry planning, led, a very deacon-led group. That means group three. Katie Bragg coming up to the front corner over here. If you are new this week and you're not sure where you want to be, come up here and see me and I'll see if I can't help. Don't go to the parking lot. <laughs> Par parking lot's open. <laughs> All right, friends, I, I'm going to pray to end our time, but that doesn't mean y'all have to stop. If you have children to go get, you have to do that. But 
you can keep talking as your group. You don't have to end right now, but I'm gonna pray, thank the Lord, and then y'all keep talking. All right, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. May you bless these groups to be an encouragement, not just to this class as we present projects down the road and learn more about what you're doing and what you have been doing and the ways in which your church has failed, fallen short of caring for our city and those who are in desperate need uh, of God's grace, um, but also ways in which you've utilized your church in right ways. And so we pray that you would stir our hearts and affections, help us to see humans and people, um, not just projects as we go about this work. Um, And may it also be a blessing to our whole church to just radically shift the way in which we view ourselves, one another, uh, um, and who you are uh, as well. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.